We are back with another episode of Poppers and Pylons with me, Kirk, and my co-host, as always, Freight Train James, where we discuss the ins and outs of everything Baffer Flag Division 1. We're getting to the end of it now, James. One last game day to go of the regular season, and us in the Coventry Panthers find ourselves in that tough position of still in contention, but it's going to be a fight to the finish. Yep, all those Baffer-sponsored playoff picture graphics are showing us in the bottom corner in the hunt. <laughs> Certainly adding a bit of pressure to our last game day. Absolutely. We all want to be there. We all want a chance to go for gold or at least take home a plate. And I'm sure every other team in this division also would happily go. I think the Midlands division has been one of the toughest and tightest divisions of the whole league. Like you look at us and our results compared to the Northwest, who we, who was our cross-conference results. Mm-hmm. It's incredible to see how tight we are, how one bad game day or you know, one point going the wrong way has totally altered team seasons. It's incredible. It is nuts. It is nuts. And teams such as the Honey Badgers, we'll talk about later on, have found their feet towards the end of the season now. Yep. Uh, it's quite fun to see, but perhaps a little bit too little too late. But we'll discuss that later on. In this episode, we'll be touching upon the previous cross-conference game day where we saw the Midlands teams travel up to meet the Northwest in Manchester and Salford. We look ahead at the final lot of fixtures coming up this Saturday, and we'll be tipping our hat to some individual efforts from across the division according to the League Republic inputted information. So, firstly, James, last game day, any burning opinions you want to put out there before we go through the scores? Um, I mean... It was a good game day. We played really well. Um, I will maybe take a bit of a jab at Baffer's scheduling yes. with the fact that we turned up at, what was it, 9 o'clock to then not play until 1. Yep. It made it a very long day. Long uh, day. And I appreciate that comes down to the bombers dropping out and things having to be shuffled around and can't keep everyone happy, but it was just a bit of a disappointment that we had to get all the way up there and then we kind of sat around for hours in... All sorts of elements. Plus, there was a little bit of drama, um, unfortunately, for Manchester in terms of the pitch setup. Yeah, which we'll bring up a bit later on. But um, <laughs> it, yeah, the day went well. We played well, other than the scheduling being less than ideal and the pitch situation being less than ideal. It was a good day. So let's look at the sulfur clashes first. The Cougars caused some upset, perhaps for mostly Lewis Phillips, as he is now losing sleep over how many Midlands teams are now in contention of promotion to the Premiership as the Cowans brought the Scorpions' reign of terror to an end with a close game of 20 points to 13. Both myself and Clara Jackson of the Panthers called that one right in the accumulator, James, but a shock to the rest. Yeah, I mean, everyone expected Salford to go undefeated, and the way they played against us, you can't be surprised at that. But Cowans really have started to pull out and they've really become on form. Since they lost to the Neptunes at the start of the season, they've not been the same team. They've really kicked it into high gear. And I think it was probably a good thing because it meant that Salford got to see what the best of the Midlands really had to offer. Yeah, they were pretty comfortable right and, for a long season. Yeah, and I'm sure that um, Ali isn't as confident as he was when we met him on video call. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the Phantoms open up their day with a convincing win of 54-7 to over the Chorley Buccaneers. It seems the Bucks' offense didn't shine like they have done in the past this time, James. Yeah, that was a little bit unusual for me because the Bucks, they've always been really competitive, but they've just kind of lost out because their defense has let them down, really. They've always just been outscored when yep. they showed up for us. They, we knew that they were a small squad, um, but they played really well on offense and they just got outscored. And as, as I'm sure I mentioned at the time, it just seemed like they needed to work on a bit of flag pulling. Yeah. And some real defensive fundamentals. A few missed tackles and a few things like that, yeah. <clears throat> but then it really, really seems like that, that game totally breaks the cycle and the Phantoms just went out and gave it their all and won convincingly. Yeah, found something that worked, which is what they do very, very well. They find something that works and they stick to it. 
uh, which is really interesting. Uh, the Phantoms then camped at the momentum, beating the Royal Vikings 39 points to 25. Yeah, I mean, I think that is to be expected. That was a, It was a close game to a degree. You know, it, I wouldn't say the Phantoms ran away with it. Mm-hmm. Um, when we played the Vikings, we were a little bit disappointed with their turnout. And yeah. I'm not sure if they had a bigger squad for this day, because obviously we weren't there. But mm-hmm. um, it seems like a realistic score based on our experience of both teams. So. Yeah, I think so. I think it's probably, probably the most realistic one there, I think. Yeah. So I, I think that's a fairly predictable one. Yeah. Uh, the Scorpions then seeked out some revenge on the Midland Division as they then went on to score 48 points to 6 against the Honey Badgers. Pink on purple, James, you weren't there, but I bet there were some hyped up speeches in that Scorpions huddle before the game. I'm sure there were. I'm sure the um, the tension got to them and the tempers started rising and everyone got hyped up for that. And, you know, fair play. They went out and they did their thing and it looks like they controlled the game. Um, now we know the Honey Badgers have struggled against a few teams this season. Mm-hmm. So I'm not particularly surprised on that score because that's almost similar to what the ne- what the Scorpions did to the Neptunes. Yeah. And when you're talking about one of the teams with the highest win percentages in our division versus one of the teams with, unfortunately, the lowest, yeah, it's predictable. It is. It is. But good on the Honey Badgers of King of Scorians, though. Yes. Because um, some teams have really struggled to do that. Yep, Definitely. The Cougars then achieved a similar score against the Buccaneers with 46 points to 6. Quite a few fixtures in Salford have held a side just to one score, James. Yeah, it's um, it's very interesting that, actually. Maybe the wind was blowing in one direction. And- <laughs> I think so they're all playing the same way. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, based on the Buccaneers' performance on the day against the Phantoms, that's kind of to be expected as well. I wouldn't be surprised if after observing the table and observing the Phantoms game, that maybe the Cougars thought they could take their foot off the pedal a little bit with yeah. that one and maybe just slow it, slow the game down. Because I would have almost expected the Cowan's Cougars to score higher on that one. Sure. Yeah. Purely going off the Phantom score and this score. But then again, maybe the Buccaneers' defense just messed with them a little bit more. Yeah, possibly. Possibly. Slowed them down themselves. Credit They've got some the fast players. They have got some fast fast, fast safeties, especially. Yep. Really could have messed, messed with them. Really, yeah. Good points. Good point. The Honey Badders then fell a bit short to the Vikings with a score of 26 to 12. They've gone a real journey this season, James, growing as a team full of new players and results are really different from that first game day. And their next one is a corker. But first, the Scorpions then got back into a winning streak as they rounded off their day with a win against the Phantoms with a score of 45 to 26. I think the Scorpions are still in contention for the automatic promotion as long as I think it's the Newcastle Blackhawks don't match their win percentage, James. I might be wrong there. Um, I'm not 100% up to speed on the latest of the playoff structure, but I believe both the Scorpions and the Cougars now Mm. are at the point where they get a bye straight to the semi-finals. Yes, I think so. Of the Cup. Yeah. So that'll be interesting because they may well meet again in the final. Yeah. Oh, that would be really good, actually. And um, Mm. I wonder if that'll change the way things go. Possibly. Possibly. The Honey Badgers then downright attacked the Buccaneers. They boarded their ship and chewed through their sails with a whopping win of 58 points to 13. You and Marcus Gambrell were the only ones to carry faith in the Honey Badgers on our accumulator for that match. How does that one feel, James? I think it was well-deserved. I mean, I, I can't say that I was honestly expecting the scoreline that big. No. I expected it to be a touchdown or two either way, but fair play to the Honey Badgers. They clearly found something that worked and they just went for it. Yep. And they clearly went for the jugular. Um, I feel sorry for the Buccaneers. I think I'm sure they would have played well and they'd have played their hearts out. Um, it is 
horrible to go up against a team and then to lose with that much of a gap. But yeah. based on the performance for the rest of their day, it seems like that day just wasn't theirs. No, perhaps they overthought it, perhaps they underthought it. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe it's because it's late in the season, injuries, already a small squad means that if you're not playing with you know, your absolute best all the time because you know, quarterback or starting receiver or starting safety or has got a, a niggle or a rolled ankle or a mm-hmm. twisted sprained thumb, well, that could make all the difference on a game day like this. Absolutely. The Cougars then rounded off the day with a convincing win against the Vikings. Once again, another game holding a team to just one score, with the final result being 32 points to 7 in favour of the Cougars. A fairly Midlands-heavy conference in Salford, James. Yeah, well, I would almost say that's to be predicted, and that's not to sound controversial or cocky. Um, I just think if we go off of the last game day results, um, it was Midlands-sided again. Um, And I think it just shows you, once again, the strength of our division and how even when the win-loss column might not always represent it, we are so close and we are such a solid division. It's going to be absolutely heart-wrenching if, for some reason, we can't have that division back next year. Yeah, or if if too many teams go to the Premiership, you mean? (laughs) Yeah, if if half of the division ends up promoted (laughs) and we're stuck going down to bloody... Land's End to play a game day. Which I think is what Lewis Phillips was worried about when I was talking to him just before the, the Thursday night um, Baffer podcast on First and 15. He was, he was worried about exactly that, I think. Well, I'm sure Lewis can make a Midlands division for us, even if that means that Lincoln have to come down to us again. <laughs> I'm sure they wouldn't mind. I quite like playing Lincoln. Yeah, I like playing Lincoln. Longhorns are fun. They're a premiership team now, though. They're solid, they? aren't they? Oh, yeah. yeah. Don't know, because they're not in Midlands Div 1, which is all we care about. Yeah, very true, very true. Okay, in Manchester, the Bears, Neptunes and the Panthers took on the Titan Bees and the West Lancashire Serpents. The day started fairly smoothly with the Bears taking on the Titans with a close game that ended 39-33. to The Titans playing a lot of short cross routes, especially to their slot receiver, Tika Maracucci, who allowed them to just work up the field, but it wasn't quite enough against the Bears, James. Well, I mean, I think this was the first game that also had to have a dispute in the middle of I don't think the Titans were necessarily all in it as it seems that the leadership on their team was not only trying to play a game but also argue with the staff at the ground as we were um, being kicked off the pitch and some youth footballers were warming up around us quite um, obnoxiously warming up around us as well if you ask me but yeah exactly um, yeah so that obviously doesn't help and that's such a shame because that in in a game like that where it's you know, a score and a bit difference. Could it be that a couple of key players having their heads in the game and not having to worry about the fact that they've set up two pitches already and then halfway through the first game someone's tried to kick them off the pitch yep. could be the difference between them winning or losing? Exactly. Those of us that were there realised that around half-time that there was some problem with the venue booking as about 40 youth soccer players showed up wanting to use the stadium field we were on. You know, the stadium field with the yard lines from the contact games on it, especially for American football games. They yeah. wanted that pitch. Not yeah. the not the things we got put on, the football pitch. The pitches actual at the top. soccer pitches right? designed for soccer, for playing soccer on. Yeah, it was... I mean, I don't know what the situation was, and I'm not going to slag off the Titans because I know the Titans just tried to make the best yeah. of the situation. It was definitely a venue thing, and, was, and we heard comments from the venue staff yeah. that we won't repeat, but it was it was definitely their fault. Yeah, 100%, and I think um, that's disappointing, knowing that that venue is so crucial to Baffer as a whole that that kind of happened. Yeah. But it's not, you know, it, it's not the Titans' fault. It's nothing that we can 
we can deal with over here. So we just have to moan about it and carry on. Yeah, uh, but hey, we and Flag Football have been known to adapt to various situations, so we pushed on, and the Neptunes certainly didn't let it phase them as they mongoose the Serpents 76 points to 6. I think the Neptunes' agility just outpaced the Serpents in this game, James. Um, I didn't know mongoose was a verb. I've, I've made it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think the Neptunes just went out and showed what the Neptunes can do when they click. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Serpents have had a rough season to say the least anyway i think they're second from bottom in their division well they might be bottom now i think because the buccaneers beat them i think okay yeah. so so okay they might be bottom now so you know they've had a rough season um i was speaking to them on the sideline they're all great guys they're all really friendly and they're really keen and they've got really nice kits that are like they've got about eight different kits hey, yeah they just kept changing they just kept changing tops <laughs> yeah <laughs> rudy must be rubbing his hands together with them <laughs> but you know the neptunes went out they they played a game, and they clearly didn't let the other team face them at all. Not at all. The Neptunes then played the host, the Titans, with a much closer score of 20 points to 13. The same result of Cowans versus Scorpions, James. Yeah, well, I mean, the Titans are an interesting one. I think there's there's been a bit of a consistent theme throughout this podcast and throughout our division of when you hear Manchester Titans, you give, and even though they're the Titans' Bs, you you automatically associate them with the Titans A team and yep. you automatically get that fear. Um, and then I think they play really well. They're a good side. Um, you can tell a lot of them come from contact. A lot of yeah. knowledge on that field. And I think they probably had a bit of fire in them after they lost narrowly to the Bears. Mm -hmm. But I think um, it was quite it was quite easy to see that the Neptunes were dictating that game. I don't know if it was just because the Titans didn't seem to be able to adapt as easily, mm -hmm. but they clearly caused a bit of trouble, just not enough. Yeah, yeah. And we were—is that, that the game we were? We were split between two fields, right? And I think I was on the other field, refing the Bears game, uh, so I didn't get to watch the Neptunes game very much. And yeah, I was, was kind of hoping to. I, I flitted between the two um, mm -hmm. because, in all honesty, the Bears Serpents game was more interesting. Yeah, um, I was watching. I was. Looking over at the Neptunes game and going, yep, that's, ha that's happening. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, and then the Serpents game, the way the Bears were playing, fair play to them. Yeah, they're on fire. The Bears then came out of hibernation from the threatening rain to face the Serpents with 62 points to 13. Yeah. Watching that game and refing that game, James, it seems Greaves found a hole in the Serpents' defence and kept exploiting it, allowing them to relax in the second half with a sizable lead and install some new defensive strategies for the next game day, it seems. Yeah, I think... Um, the key thing the Serpents lack from watching that game and from watching, well, from playing them ourselves, I think because they're such a new squad, I think, and because they seem to be struggling this season, I think they're struggling with adaptability. To me, it seems like I agree. Well, I agree with what you're saying. I think, you know, the Bears found the hole, they exploited the hole, but then what I didn't see was anyone trying to cover the hole. Yeah. Anyone trying to adapt to sure. to fill that hole? Yeah, they had their system in place, and yeah. they just kept going at it, hoping something might change. Was it the serpents were the ones that played us that basically never blitzed except a corner blitz, or was that the Titans? I'm not sure, but I'm sure both teams had a very unusual defense for what yeah. we see. Like you know, when you typically think of your standard flag cover two defense, you know, it seems unusual to, when teams don't necessarily go out the gate with that, or at least show it at some point. You know, sometimes okay, you've got teams that like to play a cover one or a deep cover one, and you know, and and 
teams adapt, but it seemed very strange because I'm sure it was the serpents that played us and didn't blitz. Right. Or if they did, it was always a corner blitz. Uh-huh. So Frank knew when it was coming. Yeah. <laughs> and what they do is they'd signal both corners as if they're ready to blitz, and then one would go, mm-hmm. which, okay, fair enough. You don't know which way it's coming from, but you, <laughs> you know they're going to do it. Yeah. Because the guy in the middle just never went. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't even notice. I was too busy on the sidelines yeah. in defense mode. But yeah, that's true. It's true, actually. I remember him saying something on the day. The final two games of the day was for us, the Coventry Panthers. After losing all three fixtures at our home game day to keep us in the running, we had to beat the Titans. After keeping the Neptunes to just 20 points and being within a score themselves, we went into this warily, James. Yeah, I mean, we saw the way that they handled the Neptunes yeah. and the way that they handled the Bears. And we went, we feel this game's winnable, but... We can't rest on our laurels. We're going to have to go out and really play our game full, almost robotic execution. Mm-hmm. Because if we if we stray from our strategy, if we have to kind of react and we react wrong, that could be the turning point. Yeah, some really good uh, agile players yeah. for the Titans. Really good. And one thing I think we did fantastically, and I'll give a lot of credit to Jake, to Friend, and to Frank Birch, we dictated that game on offense. I think so. We very like we didn't let them push back at all. We went out and consistently got the ball in it, got the ball, got it moving, and barely gave them time to think and adapt. Yeah, for sure. The Titans were playing aggressive though. Yes, uh, and we knew we had to take away their shorter routes from watching them face the Bears earlier in the day. Um, so the offense was on fire, but I think defense as well changed strategy to allow the shallower marksman to cover that center spot, forcing Titans to make a few riskier throws, which resulted in a few picks our way that day. Yep. We had a few good picks, and uh, yours truly got a couple of touchdowns, which Absolutely. was nice. Absolutely. It was real nice. After yeah. a whole season of OFL with yeah. no touchdowns for James, Baffer, he got one. Not OFL. Not OFL. Was it Baffer? Yeah. It was, no, it was OFL. No, no like, oh, last year. Yeah, last year is what I'm saying. Last year, I think. Yeah, last yeah. year. Exactly. Last year. <laughs> last year in OFL, he had nothing. Yeah, I'm the guy that gets the team to the end zone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By placing the ball. <laughs> yeah. I think it's because I had the new um, blue Panthers gloves. Ah, uh, that's what it is. So Frank could actually see me in the end zone. <laughs> <laughs> Flash of light. Although, to be fair, one of them was a proper freight train run, wasn't it? It was. It was. Just over the first, straight down the sideline, dodge yeah. four, four. Yeah, three or four. It was yeah, definitely... I mean, I know that Greaves said that you dodge the, I dodged the first two. And then I think the second two expected me to dodge and I just ran straight past them and they didn't, they just went, oh. Miscalculated. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, it was a good run. It was really good. It was good to see. Yeah. And, he, and then he had the XP straight after, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was good fun. Good fun. Good fun. Panthers closed the game 44 to 21 with the Serpents watching on ready for their fixture against us next. Panthers beat the Serpents 43 points to 19. Certainly not a rollover like the Neptune's result. With some quick feet and some great motion plays, the Serpents seem to have warmed up by the final game. But it wasn't enough as the Panthers got the two wins they desperately needed looking ahead at the final game day of the season, James. Yeah, I think they played really well. Like I say, they had some unusual strategies which maybe took us a minute to twig onto. Yes. You know, there's only so long that you can not blitz for or corner blitz from before you go right, so you never blitz. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, but obviously you, you, whenever you've not played a team before, particularly on offense, you want to approach cautiously. You obviously want to make sure that you're playing to your strengths. But you also have to take a few plays to kind of feel them out, see sure. see who the, the playmakers are, see who's that one safety that you probably don't want to throw near and, you know, all of that stuff to try and actually get to it. Um, but 
it worked quite well. We managed to we managed to keep the keep the foot on the on the gas and carry on going. And I think we beat them convincingly. And I think it was predict predictable in its result. Um, although I was very impressed with how we performed. And I will give massive props to the Serpents because they were all brilliant guys and I had a great time playing. Great them. fun. They were such good fun. I find the Serpents are a team where you want refs to be really good at what they do, really good at watching and not necessarily be on your side, but be neutral enough to know the rules and what goes in your favour. So yeah. Serpents do this amazing thing where they have a lot of motions happening and on defence you're going, who's going where? I have no idea. People have moved left. There's now three people on the left. What's happened? But when we were refing them, we noticed a lot of forward motion before the ball was snapped. And if if refs were more hot on that, um, perhaps there might have been even a few more against against us. Yeah, I mean that's unfortunately the the state of play, isn't it? You know, we have to deal with amateur refs. We have to deal with self refing, and not everybody is, you know, to the to the highest possible standard mm -hmm. i know that the league are working on improving that a lot with the refing officiating committee and yep. and, and 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 i know that between tyler shale and tom whale we have two fantastic head refs that you know whether or not certain people on the wrong end of our calls would agree we we sure. are a solid refing crew i would stand up in in front of anyone and say that we are one of the best refing teams in the country it just relies on other people being willing to accept that as well. Yeah. Because one of the problems you get is, you know, the serpent's really nice guys, so it doesn't matter because the serpents just go, oh, yeah, sorry, that was my bad when you call a penalty on them. Sure. But if you get a team that's, that either A, thinks that they're really good at refing as well, or B, thinks that they know more, or you just happen to have you know, a player on a bad day or something, then you can really end up in a scenario where they're going, oh, no, that's not right. And you end up, like, you end up wasting half your game arguing with people. Yep. And, it's, you know, and that just takes the fun out of the sport, doesn't it? It does a bit. With the results from the last game day covered, we now turn to the results of our cross-conference accumulator. And, James, we have five people tied in first place this week to go into the prize pool. We have Ben Ansel. Abe Watson and Damon Wong of the of the Scorpions, and if luck should have it, James, the last two are us. Oh no way! We are finally in the Poppers and Pylons prize pool. <laughs> <laughs> the PPPP. We are all tied on thirteen games. Oh. What we called correctly. Um, so in our prize pool, we now have one count for Sean Moss, Dave Myring, Liam Harper, Abe Watson, Damon Wong, and us. And we have two counts for Ben Ansel of the Scorpions with double the chance of taking that mystery prize. Who else can get in there with the final Midlands fixtures of the season this Saturday? I, I think that's going to be good because I guess at the next... Are we saving it for the next one or are we saving it for post-finals? Uh, maybe, maybe the next one. Well, okay, I think end of the regular season, we need to announce yeah, our prize winner. We do. And, and the then, prize. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the prize is a secret. <laughs> we'll be providing our predictions at the end of this episode, but first, James, I said last week on my solo venture of Poppers and Pylons that in this episode we are going to look at some of the individual stats from the Midlands division. So let's do that now. These are stats taken from the League Republic input information, so sorry to say that Cameron Cougars, there's nothing here for you in terms of individual efforts information, which is disappointing as I'm sure a few of the players will be at the top of these lists. Yeah, more than likely, I think. 
with the way that they've been playing, I wouldn't be surprised if some league records were being broken. Absolutely. But if the stats aren't there, we have to go with what's available, don't exactly. we? Exactly. I mean, we can't just make them up. We've got to go with what people, have, what people have told us. Nevertheless, let's look at who is topping those leaderboards. Let's start with some wide receiver stats, James. So, it's no surprise that our own Coventry Panthers, Mason Reed, leads receiving touchdowns with 31. He took Offensive Player of the Year last year in the OFL, and his link-up with Frank and his uncanny ability to get into positions and reach heights that are just unhuman more often than not end up in a touchdown. Honourable mentions of Gareth Malarkey of the Bears with 21 in second and Sam Harvey of the Neptunes in third with 20. Mason Reed also takes rushing touchdowns with three, but there's a hench list of Birch, Gorski, Greaves, Heron Knott, Nick Jackson, Matthew Morris and Malarkey, who are all very close behind and could take that away come Saturday. Ben Ansel of the Neptunes leads in 1.x piece with 20. Mason Reed stood up there in second with 14 and the Bears, Hubbard and Malarkey tied in third with nine. Another Neptune's leader in two-point conversions, but this time it's Freddie Burridge with four two-point XPs across the season so far. In fact, it's a Neptune's blowout here as Gorski and Walker take up the other places with two each. Now let's look at the defensive player stats. A lot more on defense stats, isn't there, than opposed to offense. It's really interesting. So, yeah. lead, <laughs> leading the division in sacks is the Honey Badgers' Jamie Richards with 12, followed closely by our own Kyra Jackson of the Panthers on 11. That could be an interesting result on Saturday, James. Battle of the Blitzers. In third is Kenny Packer of the Neptune's with six. Our very own Cara Jackson is chasing first place in sacks, but has first place for safeties with three across the season. Lloyd Ronaldson of the Neptunes is chasing with one. Another Honey Badger is first here as Paul Teague leads the division on 14 interceptions. Richard Grease of the Bears is close second with 12 and Malarkey just behind him with 10. But it's Malarkey who has intercepted it and run it back the most with 10 pick sixes. Anurag Chand of the Neptunes is second with three and Nick Jackson of the Honey Badgers in third with two. Paul Teague also leads this next one with 10 PBUs, Freddie Burridge and Dan Selwood of the Neptunes tied in second with 8, and our own Tyler Shield of the Panthers in third with 7. Tackles are a tough thing to keep track of on game days, so well done to all the refs who have kept up with it over the fixtures. We're not sure how many have been missed across the game days, so apologies if you feel you've achieved more, but here are the results that have been recorded. In first and second place, the Neptunes twosome once again with Selwood on 55 and Burridge on 47. A good internal contest for them for the next game day. Richard Greaves takes third place with 46, but Liam Dale of the Panthers is snapping at his heels with 42. Lee Chapman and Liam Dale of the Panthers lead the charge in tackles for loss with two each. And finally, a quick look at the QB stats of the season. With Mason Reed being the lead in receiving touchdowns, it only makes sense that Coventry Panthers QB Frank Birch leads with 63 completed passing touchdowns. Richard Greaves of the Bears in second with 44 and Justin Thomas of the Neptunes in third with 42. Who can secure that second place spot this weekend? And is anybody able to catch our Frank? Is anyone able to catch Frank? Uh, but we do have to talk about the negative stats too in QBs. Justin Thomas currently leads the division with 18 thrown interceptions. Comedy Panthers Frank is in second with 14 and Sam Waring of the Honey Badgers is in third with 12. Uh, both Frank and Waring want to keep their interceptions as low as possible this game day to avoid being in that top spot at the end of the season. So, some great individual efforts across the Midlands there. Let's look at the upcoming fixtures where these can all change and give our predictions. So, first off, the Panthers want to add to their winning streak with a must-win game against the Phantoms. James, what do we need to do differently to the last time we faced them, which ended up with a 47.25 win for the Phantoms? Well, the first thing I'm going to do is give you a throwback to home field advantage. I know this <laughs> isn't our home game day, and I know that our home game day definitely didn't go the way we want. But we're in Coventry this time because the Cowans are hosting at Daimler Green, so mm -hmm. hopefully a little bit of a later start to the morning will help us. I hope so. We know the Phantoms play their game well, and we know that they're really disciplined. We have to just make sure that we maintain our strategy and manage to expose the weaknesses where we can. And I think we've got this one. 
I'm also backing Panthers to win this one. Uh, we need it, so we've got to go out and take it. Next, the Cougars versus the Bears. The Bears have been putting up points against most teams, but the Cougars are on fire. I'm putting the Cougars down for their win here, but I hope the Bears make it an interesting match, James. I do too. I think I would agree with you that I think the Cougars are probably going to take this one, but I really would like to see an upset. I think it would be fantastic for the Bears to go and put, put an extra win in that column. Mm. And I think if they turn up with a decent-sized squad, which they seem to have been better at over the past few weeks, as they've seemed to have grown a lot more since their uh, home game day, yeah, I th I think uh, we could give them. A, there could be a fight on our hands here, um, as we saw in our home game day, when you allow people like Richard Greaves to play one side of the ball instead of two. Yes, they're a far more productive team. So if they have the numbers. They could really do some damage to the Cougars. I hope so. I hope so. Then the Phantoms are up against the Neptunes. The Neptunes have been on a catch-up setting since losing to the Cougars. I think this week they are coming out looking for the wins to cement their spot in the finals and chase down the Cougars. Saying that, though, the Phantoms want to keep their spot, so we'll also be pulling out the stops with hopefully a few more players this time around. With Neptunes beating the Phantoms 32-6 last time, I'm going with Neptunes for this one, James. Yeah, I mean, as the... Vice President of the Cheltenham Neptunes fan club. I think we know where my vote lies. Um, the Phantoms, they were very unusual at our home game day. And I know that I'm kind of skipping back a game day. Obviously, we didn't play them in the cross-conference mm -hmm. and we weren't even at the same facility. But they turned up with low numbers. I believe there was a wedding or something that meant that, that they weren't their full squad. Yeah. The question is... It's like five or six, right? Yeah. But the question is... We're in middle of school holidays. We're in summer season. Have they got enough players with holidays and with you know, take the take the family away campings and mm. and it's the end of the season and injuries. Injuries always make a play at this point. So yes, that's true. Yeah, if the Phantoms turn up strong, there could be a game. But I really think the Neptunes are going to come out with some fire in their bellies on this one. Mm -hmm. So both of us for Neptunes there. The Panthers then play their second game, this time against the Honey Badgers. As I've said earlier on this episode, James, the Honey Badgers are coming on a great journey and got some really rewarding results. The last time we played them, we put 55 points to their 13. Going a similar way, do you think, this time? I mean, I'm going to back the Panthers all the way on this. I don't really see how I cannot, especially when we need these wins for our chance to go to Manchester. Mm -hmm. But I will say that we can't rest on our laurels with this one. The honey badgers that we played week two or three are not the honey badgers that we'll be playing no. on Saturday. And the Bucks score cements that as well. Yes, 100%. So we need to stay on our toes and we need to make sure that we don't go in with the mentality of, oh, this will be a walkover, lads, just remember last time. And we need to go out and play our game. Otherwise, they could... <laughs> They could pull a bit of a blinder on us if we let them. They could. They started to at the end of our previous game in Cheltenham. Yeah, uh, once they kicked it into high gear, they yeah. were a different beast, weren't they? Absolutely. Scored two or three touchdowns with XPs within five minutes in that end of the game. Um, it's a shame for them they didn't do that earlier. Yeah. And they could have given us a real run for our money, but who knows, that could be the situation this time. I'm also going with Panthers of this one, as again, it's a need-to-win game for us, and I don't think we'll take any game lightly when points could really make the difference between the table positions here. The Honey Badgers then have to face the Neptunes, who I'm sure are in a similar mindset, James, when it comes to points. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the Honey Badgers will give them a good run, especially if the Honey Badgers turn up like they did at this cross-conference game day. But if the Neptunes are on form and the Neptunes are being the Neptunes we all know and love through gritted teeth, then um, I think it's a Neptunes win for me. Yep, they beat the Honey Badgers with a shutout of 38 to nil last time, James. And although I don't think it will be a goose egg for Nottingham, I think there will be some serious points put up in that game. Definitely. 
our season ends with a Coventry derby. We lost out 35 points to 20 on our game day, so it shows that we can put the points up against them if we can just keep on top of them defensively. I'm saying Panthers win. I'm praying Panthers win. Yes, that's from yeah, more likely. We really, really need the win um, for us. It'd be a fantastic opportunity for us to go out and beat the table leaders. However, um, it's going to be a tough one. Uh, we can put points up against them, definitely, mm -hmm. but we need to really kick it into high gear if we want a chance with that one. Yes, defensively, we were a bit weaker last time. Let some things over the top. Let some mistakes happen. Miss some tackles. We've got to be really strong on this. And it's the last game of the day. We've got to go out and give it our all. Last game of the regular season. Yeah. And it feels somewhat symbolic that it's Coventry, Coventry. Absolutely. In Coventry. In Coventry. Coventry, the spiritual home of flag football. Is Marcus going to be there for this historic moment? I don't know. We don't know. He better be. Yeah, David Blitzen. Green's his stomping ground. So it I is, isn't it? So. He loves it. He should be there. The final game of the Baffa Div 1 2022 season is the Phantoms versus the Bears. Both teams wanted to get into their finals, both teams on a similar track record. This could be a fun one to watch, and we may even need this to go a certain way on the day, James. Yep, definitely. It could be the make or break for us, as well as for the Phantoms or for the Bears. But, yeah, yeah I think there's some other external factors from other divisions that, that will come into play with that. Um, I think it'd be quite funny if four of the six Midlands teams ended up in the finals. Yeah. But fingers crossed we're on our way to Manchester by the end of Saturday as well. Yeah, we're one of them. Um, but Phantoms-Bears, it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough one to call. If you go off the last game day, the Bears won convincingly. Mm -hmm. However, the Phantoms weren't at their strongest. Yeah. So if we were to if we were to expect full strength, full strength from both squads, we could very well be looking at one of the tightest games of the season. Yeah. I'm going to give it to the Bears. you got going Bears. I'm also predicting Bears, uh, but it'd be great to see a showdown to the wire situation. So that's our predictions for game day six at Dame Legreen in Coventry this Saturday. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you all listeners for tuning in to every episode. It's been a fun season to cover, James. Yeah, it certainly has. And we're hoping that we can keep this on and carry on by following our own uh, Coventry Panthers women's team through the WFFL. Yep as they embark on their inaugural season. So don't worry, it won't be the last you've heard of us. Absolutely not. And we will be uh, doing one more of this uh, to cover the last game day and to look at the finals ahead, hopefully with a with a Neptune or something. Yep, that would be great. We'd love to get a second guest on, as we have been a bit shy this season of, of guests. Hopefully yes. something we could improve on next time. Been more on scheduling and things like that, trying to get it all in. It's, it's, been, been, a, it's been chaos. But it has been a bit. <laughs> but everyone's enjoyed it. And if you have enjoyed it and you are going to miss our dulcet tones if someone else has described us as that was it Lewis yep dulcet tones lovely we do actually have our own podcast called Wood a Panther Killer Raccoon in the Wild uh, which is a comedy podcast if you're into AR10 Cats QI uh, Mock the Week anything like that tune into that podcast we discuss some mad things yep it's uh, we've just released our pilot episode for that and we're about to record our next one so um, we'd love for people to get in touch with us as well if you have any ideas for questions or rounds or comments or even just feedback on what you think you could do we could do to improve the show yep so that's all from me and james uh we'll be here next time to talk about the next game day so see you all on saturday see you all on saturday hey!